In some productions, Dr. Dukamara arrives in a hot air balloon, symbolic perhaps of the fact that he himself is filled with hot air. And he launches into a great aria created by Donizetti. And there's a solo trumpet call to draw the crowd as he delivers a pitch and a spiel for his wares. gathers and listen up he sings i have a certificate of authenticity for my medicine that can't be beat for complaints choleric dyspeptical arthritical asthmatical hysterical bronchitical paralytical rheumatical and of pellicle or cuticle and all the smarter illnesses with which folk in town have god as tomas onich outlines for us Enid Rose Pasco tells us such parodies of charlatans can be traced back to a comic poem in the 13th century, The Tale of the Herbs, by the French minstrel Rutebeuf. So, Dr. Dokumara isn't really new on the scene as he struts the stage in Donizetti's opera, Les Visers d'Amore, The Elixir of Love. Pasco suggests Dokumara is a parody who resembles at times oh so closely, real imposters who have prospered over the centuries at the expense of their fellow humans' sicknesses and sufferings. Listen, listen, attention, attention, Dr. Dukamara sings. Dukamara was imagined by Gaetano Donizetti in 1832, and the beat goes on and on. It's quacks like these who have captured the imagination of theater artist Richard Grun, who is a master at creating quirky characters, comical with a kick, he invites us all to gather to meet a host of these con artists, for artists they are in a sense. Grun even brings them to meet us here in the conversation we'll share about Good Medicine, an original stage piece he's created and performed. And this weekend we'll have a chance to share it at the Tustin Theater in Narrowsburg, New York, presented by the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. Richard Grun is no stranger in these parts. We had a chance to speak with him by phone about the new show and his ties to this region. Back in the day, my wife and my brother and I, we ran a bed and breakfast over closer to the Delaware River and in a town called Bremen. So we did that for, oh, 15 years or so. But during that time, I was very much connected to Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area as a teaching artist through NEIU 19. And also, I worked with the Northeast Theater, which became the Electric City Theater in, in Scranton. And so those were, I guess, my connections to the area and, you know, did shows through them and then did other uh, shows here and there around the area as well. So uh, it's been a while. 
<laughs> you were not alone. You had puppets at your disposal. Where did you and puppets come together? How did you like and develop working with puppets? Well, back during that time, I developed a show called Urbano Circus. It was an Italian character, a commedia character that came out of one of the shows from the Northeast Theater with David Zarco and, and others. And that character came out of that. And from that character, I created this kind of crazy puppeteer who worked with puppets. These were puppets made specifically out of like non-recycled and recycled materials. And I did that all over the place and overseas as well. And that show then, probably about four or five years ago, I did it in the city. I had a, a couple of weeks of run at a theater, and it focused kind of on this dystopian setting where we live in this kind of world of garbage everywhere, being that the puppets are made out of garbage. And that's something I, I definitely want to revisit sometime. It's called uh, Urbano Circus and the Monster of Garbage. So that's something that is <laughs> can always be revisited today. You know, I, I, it is a topic for sure. And we know you as someone who is able to create quirky characters, characters who are intriguing, but original works. That's how I think of you. You're overflowing with creative ideas and these quirky people in your imagination. Yes. Yeah. Well, they don't keep me up at night, which is nice, or haven't recently. So, so that's good. But the characters come from all different places, and it's changed over my time as an actor. As I get older, it's, it's just a lot different. But it is originally based on, really, observations and looking at people and specific things about them in life, from life. I love watching and living in the city. You can do a lot of that without anyone giving a hard time about it because everyone get on the subway and everyone's looking at everyone for a short period of time at least. But, yeah, so the characters come from that place, and from it, it, you know, either speaks to me to develop itself as a show, as Father Joyner did, which you and I have spent time with Father Joyner and, and his Catholic characters uh, in, a, in a poetry setting, where there's a poetry reading and all those different characters, Frank Adamowski and Ellen Smithner and all them come in. And it, it's an interesting process. Now it's just different, the process. I'd say for this show, I, I did it differently in the sense that for the medicine show, or good medicine, I wrote everything out first as a playwright. So I had played the playwright, so to speak, and wrote everything into drafts and wrote, and a lot of this was during the pandemic. And then what I did after that was approach it then as the actor going through that process and then working with the, with the director. In the past, it was very different. It was very much more in the form of, uh, I guess, a comedia process where I would improvise and then eventually write things down. And this was really different. And it, it's been enjoyable to kind of change the process a bit. And what made you settle on medicine folk People who are the shady, <laughs> shady side of medicine, you know, trying to sell things yeah. like snake oil. Well, I say it is years ago, I created this character when I was up here, and his name was Dr. Brayman. And uh, he was called Dr. Brayman because I live in this town. It's not even a town where the inn was, where my wife and my brother, the inn where that we ran, used to be called Brayman. 
And then no one knew the town because no one lived there. And we took it over and we restored the inn and did all that and then called the town Bremen. And it's now called Bremen, which is fun. So Dr. Bremen came from just the fact that I happened to live in Bremen. And as I was putting him together, I wanted him to be a little bit different from the snake oil salesman from the 1800s. So he kind of moved around, you know, within the 1800s and the the 1900s. And I wanted him to, to kind of be enamored with machines, the Industrial Revolution, all that type of stuff. So he used machines. That was the idea. And he went around and he did these uh, uh, phrenology demonstrations. That's where bumps on our heads and such are supposed to be able to tell us who we are or about us. Yes, yeah. He used machines and then sold condensed oxygen. Basically, his idea is the brain controls everything and our bodies. However, we don't get enough oxygen because the air is so bad. So he would sell his oxygen after he would do all these readings with his various machines. So those were the origins of the medicine show. And then what happened is during the pandemic, I started playing around with this new character. His name is Kurt Candleman, and he's in this show. And he's a uh, spiritual advisor and master guru, and he's very pretentious, and he, he's very good at uh, cultural appropriation. He'll just take anything that's ancient and old and kind of make it his own and, and create a kind of a fog and mystery around it, all to sell his product. And he has all these products. So he started doing videos of his different products that he has created that he's trying to sell. And I had this whole online journey I was doing for Candleman. And he actually has a website, www.kurtcandleman.com. And that's, of course, all lowercase. So Kurt Candleman was developed. I had Dr. Brayman. And then I had the theater in New York that wanted me to come and do a show. And I started putting it together. Then the pandemic happened. And I just took the time during those two-plus years to really develop something and then added the snake oil salesman character from, you know, the 1800s as well. So originally it was, it was three characters, and this show is different. We have a new character we brought into this show, and the character is in the future. So you start in 1874, then you go to, like, 1930, uh, that's the next century, and then you go to present day, and then you go to the future. And, of course, in the future, our doctors are AI, which everyone's talking about. How tremendous. You're on to something then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds as if there's something perennial about the mm -hmm. human urge to take advantage of people who might be willing to part with their dollars to heal, to yes. improve, to make yeah. money, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they all, you know, it's, it's basically a timeline. So you start in, in, it's like 1874 with Reverend Buford T. Jones, and they all have different tools. His tool is religion, and he uses religion to sell his elixir. And his concept is about the vibration. And that is kind of the line through in the whole play where we all have a vibration in our heart, and you have to keep your heart pure. And the only way you can do that is first, expel all the sins that you have, the seven deadly sins, and he helps you do that. But then in order to maintain, which is really important, your heart's pure vibration, you have to drink his elixir. So that's his big pitch that he, uh, he works with. And he's going into these areas 
you know, old mining camps out west where people are desperate and miserable. So he has an easy audience. However, he is being pursued by, you know, the sheriff because the elixir is, is not, <laughs> it's not anything he says it is. So that's, that's that character in 1874. And then when we go to Dr. Brayman in the 30s, he's a little bit different. He's very kind of this boyish, full of wonder and joy about electricity and how electricity is going to change our lives. And he calls it the magic of science. And he is a doctor, but he's a doctor of physical electricity. So he's very much in the theories of everything. However, he has made these inventions, you know, that are in the Montgomery Ward catalog. One of them is his Brayman Osager, which is very popular, so he's done very well. But it's also the, the depression, and, and people are in a position where they're worried. So he has an audience that he can manipulate. But he's also very much caught up in the wonder of it all and has this kind of boyish manner about him. And then with Kirk Hanneman, I think, it, you know, it's today. <laughs> and today... Oh, my goodness, are we not at the all-time high of consumerism? It, it is really, uh, it, it's everywhere so with the Internet, and, it's, you know, it follows us everywhere as we allow it to follow us. And, and he's a marketing master. He really is. He knows how to sell products without saying too much about them. He doesn't really make claims about his products. They're just, they're just there, and you have to trust him because he's a spiritual advisor and master guru. So, you know, you have to follow him. So, and then, the, of course, the cultural appropriation, where he can just take any religion, any ritual, and then incorporate it into his own. And he doesn't have to do much. Everything is really about marketing and having things, and he has a whole staff that works for him. So as you go through the line through, you're starting, you're starting at the beginning with just one item, one product, the elixir. That's 1874. Then we go to 1930, and it's several machines, three or four machines you might want to buy, maybe more if you go to the Montgomery Ward catalog to see Brayman's uh, products. Then we go to Kirk Kennelman, and it's endless, endless. He has so many products that are out there, and you need this product to go with that product, and, you know, everything is interconnected. He has made this web of need and necessity. And then we go to the future, and the future is AI, and that is your doctor is you know, kind of created by artificial intelligence. Are you each of the doctors? I am. I am everyone. I am everyone. So would you like to hear a few? Please introduce okay. us, please. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, is the Reverend Buford T. Jones, and he's from the South, maybe kind of Kentucky area. The Reverend, Reverend Buford T. Jones, greetings and salutations to you, Erica Funky, as we talk right now, it is so good to talk to you about the vibration, the pure vibration of the heart. Anyway, that's him. Buford. He's fun already. Yeah, yeah, he is fun. He's a lot of fun to play with. And then we go to Dr. Brayman. Dr. Brayman is a little bit different. He's very intense. He talks like this. And well, what we're talking about, electromagnetic vibrosynthesis. That is a process. Erica, if I may have your ear, if you don't mind, that's swell. Anyway, electromagnetic vibrosynthesis is a process of shocking the brain with low pulses of electricity. And then you will have the benefit of health, happiness, and prosperity. I know this is something that you're thinking about. It is the cat's pajamas. Okay, that's Dr. Brandon. 
Oh, the cat's pajamas. That's a wonderful phrase for the era in which Dr. Brayman is promoting his wares. <laughs> then we have Kurt Candleman. Hello, Erica. Uh, this is Kurt Candleman talking to you at this time, taking time out of my very busy schedule to discuss with you how you might achieve a Kurt Kalman whole body vibration. And it is a multi-step process, and I hope that as we talk right now, you'll be interested in many of the products from the Kurt Kahneman product line. By the way, I want to let you know that my new website is up, www.kurtkahneman.com, all lowercase, and you can find all the products there, including my podcast, The Candle Within You, which is very popular. So that's Kurt Candleman. <laughs> He's his own show, actually, which will happen in the future, I'm sure. Then we have uh, Thomas Rickey, which is somewhere in the future. And um, Thomas Rickey just talks like this. Hey, how is everyone doing? How is every Advance X. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, we need, I, I'll tell you right now, that Advance X, the Vibrachip, is the most ultimate advanced wellness system you will ever need. So that's him. He's just kind of smooth-talking. And uh, with that particular character, I interact with the projection of myself. His whole thing is, you are the doctor. You actually make an AI of yourself as the doctor or therapist or spiritualist or personal trainer or whatever it might be. You make that of yourself because who can you trust? You're going to trust yourself, say, before anyone else. So that's the whole pitch with it. And so that's Thomas Rickey. Yeah. And that's not very far-fetched from what we're reading, right? <laughs> no, no. It's so funny because when I started, I, I've done this show at several different theaters, and I wanted to put this last piece in because AI was coming on. And just in the short period that I was putting it together, it just it was it became more of the talk that you would hear in the news. And then I was like, well, at any moment, as soon as I finish this, this is going to probably exist already, <laughs> you know? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, what's the big deal, you know? So it's trying to keep up. It is trying to keep up, and, and it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge sometimes, you know? Uh, certainly in that, in that area as a topic, for sure. Does each of the characters have an act? I don't mean a spiel. I mean a segment of the show. How do you get from one to the next? Yes, well, the show does have some amazing musicians that play live music, and that is Joe and Henry Burby, who are incredible musicians and wonderful actors from New York. So I teamed up with them. They're going to be in the show. And Leslie Kincaid Burby is my director, and uh, she is incredibly insightful, and she's also a wonderful actress. So I have a great, talented pool or team of actors and directors to work with. So so that makes a, a, a big difference, and that really helps with the transitions in between and to have the live music. So they travel with me through the centuries. So the music changes. You know, first you have music from the 1800s, then you go to the 1930s, then we go to, you know, the spiritual, new age kind of music, and then there's a whole new thing, different thing, when we actually get to the future. But that, that helps with the transitions. Really, it's, it's not a show like a medicine show, say, where other acts are coming in. It really is very direct to the audience as to what it is. So the music is a very big component in this, I would say. 
is it you and a hat and you change the hat and you're the reverend from the reverend you move on yes right right so the costumes are designed the costume change is designed through say elimination so i'm wearing most of the costumes as the reverend <laughs> and then i you know a layers come off for a quick change then i come out as dr brayman and then i do another quick change and then i come out as kurt candleman and he is, you know, the last costume. And then I actually leave the stage for a change into Thomas Rickey. And it sounds to me, remembering our conversations of the past, Richard, and now hearing about this show, that you really are someone who loves and understands on a fundamental level the power of theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I've been teaching for years. I've been teaching in New York City for uh, about 15 years, and it, it's really interesting. I, I remember one of my first years I was in a, a school. It, it was in a kind of an impoverished uh, neighborhood on Staten Island, and I, and I went in, and I just brought a can in. It was really simple. It was the first day, and, and the exercise was just to discover the can. You had to walk by and discover it. And you thought, you would think I came in and was some kind of great magician. It was so simple. The kids went crazy over it. It was just incredible. And it's, it's this thing about kind of, the, there's a shift in consciousness that happens that is really important for us, I think, as, you know, as having something that we can experience. And we need it more today than ever. And just getting back to kids just over the, the years that I've been working with them, you know, I really see a difference. They're not exposed to that, even less. They're exposed to it on the on their tablet, you know. Uh, it's, it becomes, you know, their personal device is this real isolating issue right now. And we, you know, we've certainly heard about it. The general surgeon has brought up all kinds of evidence of, you know, how it's affecting teens and that. So, yes, more than ever, certainly for kids, for all of us, and I think the pandemic uh, was something else that we're, we had to be isolated. It was a real, you know, struggle for a lot of people. And now coming back to the theater and being able to go to shows without a mask. Whew, yes, that's key. To really experience, to laugh, to be part of this. Um, there, there, there's, a, there's this exchange that happens that you just don't get anywhere else with, with live performances. Same, really, with music or dance or whatever it might be. You know, it's all the same. It's it's in the moment. So much of it is about that being in the moment. That is the, that's so important today. So, where are you going to do this, and how can we see you? So, we will be at the Tustin Theater in Narrowsburg, New York, and that's part of Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. It's their performance series for the summer. We seem to be kicking it off which is wonderful. Two nights, this Friday and Saturday, the 7th and 8th, 7 o'clock. And it's a lovely theater. It's really a perfect theater for the show because it's an old movie house that was built back in the 20s or 30s. And the seats are leather and wood. And the stage is raised. And the stage is actually raked. And I performed in that theater and had my kids perform there, you know, years ago. And it's, it does feel like home. And it's nice 
to be back home. You know, it really is. It's a it's a wonderful space, and they do a lot of different things in the town of Narrisburg, uh, Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. And there's all these great shops and other businesses that are there. That it's a it's an active uh, town. So uh, seven o'clock. It's Friday, Saturday, the seventh at eight, Tuscan Theater in Narrowsburg, New York. Theater artist Richard Grun speaking with us about his original theater piece titled Good Medicine that will be staged for two performances at the Tustin Theater in Narrowsburg, New York, Friday, July 7th at 7 and Saturday, July 8th at the same time. And the Tustin Theater is located at 210 Bridge Street in Narrowsburg. Box office and concessions open at 6.30 and the production begins at 7 each evening. Good Medicine by Richard Grunn, a satirical history of America's great quasi-scientific pseudo-spiritual salespeople. And we have a chance to see Richard Grunn again if we remember him from his days performing and creating pieces in northeastern Pennsylvania. And he will be there July 7th and 8th. That's tomorrow and Saturday evenings at 7, Tustin Theater, 210 Bridge Street, Narrowsburg, New York, presented by the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. And for more information, you may check DelawareValleyArtsAlliance.org, DelawareValleyArtsAlliance.org. DVAA, presenting Good Medicine by Richard Grun. Friday and Saturday, this Friday, this Saturday, July 7th and 8th, at 7 each evening at the Tustin Theater, Bridge Street, Narrowsburg, New York, DelawareValleyArtsAlliance.org.